let's pray. God, we stand in awe of you. We thank you we can simply come in silence. We can simply come just as we are. And you love us. And we love you. Holy Spirit, this morning we give ourselves to you again. We ask you to fill us. We ask you to speak to us. Teach us. Show us the way. Let us know what you want us to do. And empower us to do it. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Because you first loved us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please take a seat. All right. In this series, we're looking at the life of Jesus chronologically. And what a wonderful thing to do. What a wonderful series to do leading up to Easter. It's all about Jesus. Ollie and Ben kicked us um, off with um, talking about Jesus' pre-birth prophecies, his birth, and his childhood. Dorothy then looked at Jesus' baptism and the setting of the foundation of Jesus' ministry. Today, we're going to look at Jesus' ministry, particularly how he called, trained, and sent out his disciples. Can I say something crazy? Will you marry me? Can I say something crazier? Yes. Do you guys never watch movies? Those of you with kids, do you never watch Frozen? Fairy tales and Disney have a lot to answer for. Now we have to teach our daughters. We don't marry someone we've just met. It is totally unrealistic and unwise. It's certainly not my experience. I didn't do that very good. Some of my friends, you know, a bit dubious, but um, I didn't do that. When I was 20 years old, a missionary ship was going to visit my city, my hometown. And for the duration of their stay, they were going to need volunteers. So I applied to be a volunteer and we had to be interviewed. So on the day of the interview, I wore a pink dress. I liked my pink dress. And I was met by a quiet, reserved man who spoke in the weirdest accent I had ever heard. I later found out that it was the Tasmanian accent. (laughs) None of my friends understood him, but I did because I'm very clever. And this man's name is Tim. My application was approved. When I was volunteering on the ship, Tim and I had a few conversations. He was a nice man. And then right before the ship left, I decided I needed to talk to someone on the ship. So, um, so I found Tim to talk to. And when I say I needed to talk to someone, that's exactly what I did. I talked, he listened for two hours. I was very impressed with this man. And we exchanged email addresses because that's how we rolled back then. Emails were so romantic back then. Over the following year, um, we emailed each other a few times. We got to know each other a little bit better. A year on, we accidentally found out that we were both in Kuala Lumpur together. He was there on a break and I was there on job training. He suggested we met up by email, right? So cool. So we did. And this was after my graduation. 
So I, from a penniless, very plain uni student, I had bloomed into a corporate young lady. Tim was smitten. We had dinner, walked around the park. We talked. This time he talked to, which was nice. And, um, we, and then when it was time for me to take the train back to my hotel, he failed to insist to accompany me. He only asked once. And I said, no, it's okay. So he took that. <laughs> Don't do that, guys. <laughs> Ask three times. Despite that, I found myself thinking about this man over the next few weeks. So I told my pastor, and my pastor said, pray. So I prayed. Then I got an email from Tim telling me that he liked me. So we took the time to ask each other heaps of questions. We prayed and asked God what he thought. And we asked God for some confirmations if we were right for each other. We got the confirmations and we started our long distance relationship, which went on for a year and a half. In that time, we got to know each other better. We shared with each other what we believed God was calling us to do with our lives. And we found that they aligned. And our trust for each other grew. And here's a picture of us when we were young. This was um, in Myanmar. It was taken in Myanmar when we had our first in-person date. Not through email. Um, And then in a very awkward roundabout way, he asked me to marry him. And in a very awkward roundabout way, I agreed. I had spent a year and a half getting to know this guy, and I was ready to commit to be with him for the rest of my life. A year later, we were married. That was 19 years ago. Yeah. I know some of you, oh, but she looks so young. I want you to imagine if Tim had proposed to me on that first day when he interviewed me. What a cycle. I didn't even know him. But on the other extreme, imagine if we had had this long-distance relationship forever. He never asked me to meet. He never made the effort to meet me or asked me to marry him. That's a cycle too, right? It's pretty crazy. A romantic relationship is one where we get to know each other in stages. And at one point, there is a commitment to be made, right? I would like to suggest that our relationship with God is somewhat similar. All analogies fail at some point, okay? But I just think it is somewhat similar. When Jesus first met his disciples, he didn't immediately tell them to give up everything and follow him right away. They didn't know the guy. If we don't read um, about Jesus chronologically, we may think that he actually did, but he didn't. So last year, we did a study in our Connect group and also part of the staff team called Knowing Him, part of the Shift M2M course. It's a 50-day chronological study of the life of Christ, Knowing Him, okay? It is fantastic. If your Connect group wants to do it, talk to Paul, get your leader to talk to Paul Hayes and get this great material. I would like you to see that actually for the disciples, it was a gradual revelation and opening of their eyes to who Jesus was and to God's kingdom. And then Jesus issued a challenge to them about what God is calling them to do. And they made a choice. Okay. So we can't talk about Jesus's ministry without first talking about John the Baptist. And Dorothy talked a bit about that last week. Actually, she talked a lot about that last week. I'm going to talk a bit about it. So John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin. 
He was a few months older than Jesus. He started his ministry first to prepare the way for Jesus. So he was telling people to turn back to God and turn away from their sin. And he was baptizing people as a sign of their commitment. One day, Jesus came to him to be baptized. Jesus didn't yet have any disciples at this point. He was about 30 years old. And when Jesus came out of the water, John saw the Holy Spirit come upon Jesus in the form of a dove and the voice of the Father saying, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And at that moment, John knew for sure that Jesus was the promised Messiah that God had sent to save the Jewish people. They had been waiting for hundreds of years for him to come, okay? So then Jesus went into the wilderness. He fasted for 40 days and was tempted by the devil. And then this happened. The following day, John, the Baptist, was again standing with two of his disciples. As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, Look, there is the Lamb of God. When two of John's disciples, John had heaps of disciples at this point. When two of John's disciples heard this, they followed Jesus Jesus looked around and saw them following. What do you want? He asked them. They replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Jesus said, come and see. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went to, uh, with him to the place where he was staying and they remained with him for the rest of the day. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John said and then followed Jesus. We believe that John is the other disciple. So it was... Um, Andrew and John. So Andrew, after having spent half a day with Jesus, went to find his brother Simon and told him, we found the Messiah. Wonder what Jesus talked to them about, hey? The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, come, follow me. Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, we have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth? exclaimed Nathanael. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see for yourself, Philip replied. As they approached, Jesus said, now here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. How do you know about me? Nathanael asked. Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. Then Nathanael exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. This was the first call that Jesus issued. His first call was come and see. Andrew joined John, Simon, Philip, Nathaniel didn't know Jesus yet. Jesus simply invited them to come and see. It's a little bit like when Tim and I started our journey to get to know each other, to come and see. If you're not a follower of Jesus um, yet, Jesus invites you like these men, come and see. You can pray. You can say, Jesus, God, if you are real, show me. See what happens. Maybe you want to start reading the Bible. Maybe you can start asking questions. We all have questions. And Steve will answer all your questions. And along with everyone here, okay? And, um, and you have Christian friends. Ask them your questions. And the best way to come and see, that I think, is to do Alpha. The next Alpha starts on the 27th of April, and there's free dinner and dessert. I have to mention dessert because it's nice. For 10 weeks. This, we, we explore the basics about Jesus, and we ask questions. There is no pressure, and there is no Bible bashing. 
Big John had been living on the streets of London for almost 10 years. Before that, he had spent over nine years in prison. Most of his teeth were missing. He was addicted to methadone. His nickname on the streets of London was Big John because he was a big guy who had once boxed for the army. Big John walked into a night shelter for the homeless at a church in London one night. He came with his friend, Little John. Big John loved it and appreciated all the young people who cared for him. He started to come to church. And at church, he heard about Alpha. So he, he decided he would do Alpha. And on Alpha, he encountered Jesus. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. He came off the drugs. And God turned his life right around. He started telling his friends on the streets about Jesus. Each week, he would turn up at church with more friends. His nickname on the streets changed from Big John to John the Baptist. One of the guys he had met on Alpha was in the property business and found him accommodation. A dentist in the congregation volunteered to replace all his missing teeth. He reconciled with his mother and his daughter and uh, built a relationship with his grandchildren whom he had never met before. God transformed Big John's life, and he is still transforming lives today. Come and see for yourself. Come, take the journey. Now, as these first disciples came and see, what did Jesus do? He started to reveal himself and the kingdom of God to them. The first thing he did was took them to a wedding. Jesus loves parties. Okay, I don't know how the, his family was invited, but he brought his disciples. <laughs> don't know how that was, but maybe he was okay back then, right? Um, so the wine ran out. So Jesus turned water into wine. Jesus showed them that he is our provider. What is it do you need in life? Need, not want, okay? What is it do you need in life? He is the provider. And he hung out with them. He took them on a family holiday with his mother and brothers, and Jesus taught them this very important thing within this period. Jesus met with a, a religious leader, a leader called Nicodemus. And Jesus taught them that it is essential to be born again into the kingdom of God. At the time, if you were Jewish, they believed that if I was born Jew, then I'm a child of God. And Jesus said, nah, nah, you have to make a choice for God. And God is saying to us today, just because we're born into a Christian family or born into a Christian country doesn't make us a Christian. We have to make a choice for God and then we would be born again. And then, this is my favorite, um, Jesus went to talk to a Samaritan woman. Now, Jesus was a Jewish man. Jewish people didn't talk to Samaritan people. They hated each other. There was a great cultural and um, racial barrier. And Jewish men did not talk to women, okay, because they're just not worth your time. So um, Jesus, in talking to the Samaritan woman, he broke the cultural barrier. He was showing his disciples that these things don't matter. And then he broke the gender barrier. Jesus said, these things don't matter. And then this woman who was an outcast, a sinner, ran back to her village, very excited, ran back to her village and said to everyone, come and see. So everyone came and they saw and they invited Jesus into their Samaritan village. Jesus went and stayed with them for two days, broke all barriers, okay? And Jesus restored this woman 
um, in her community. Jesus gave hope to the outcast. And Jesus, within this period, Jesus also healed an official son who was about to die. And the disciples got to see Jesus healing for the first time. And this period went on for 18 months. Jesus hung out with them for 18 months. It was a gradual process for them to get to know Jesus and to trust him more and more. So please cut them a bit of slack. I know we judge the disciples a lot. Now, because they were just coming and seeing, they still had their day jobs, don't they? So back to their day jobs. And then one day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew. Those two guys that Jesus already knew very well, throwing a net into the water, and they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. A little farther up the shore, he saw two other brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father Zebedee, repairing their nets. And he called them too. They immediately followed him, leaving their boat and their father behind. The first call was to come and see, right? Just to hang out with Jesus, get to know Jesus. But he doesn't stop there. He issues a second call. He says, now follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. Now that they've hung around Jesus for 18 months, Jesus asked for a commitment. He gave them a challenge. If you have hung around Jesus for a while, he is taking the calling up a notch. It's not enough now to just come and see and hang around Jesus and come to church. Jesus doesn't call us and save us just to hang around, have Bible studies and live in a commune. We actually have a job to do, to fish for people. It's trading time, okay? So Jesus continued to reveal himself, his heart, his kingdom, but now he specifically shows them how to fish for people. This is when all the miracles happen, the teaching, and this period was only nine months, but Jesus did heaps within this time. He drove out unclean spirits, and he's saying, this is how you fish for people. Go, drive out unclean spirits. You're like, what? I'm no ghostbuster. Neither was Sandy Hart and I. One time someone said, my house is haunted. Can you come pray? So we went to pray. And then they were like, wow, there's no more ghostly activities. Okay, we can drive out demons in the name of Jesus. And Jesus was healing people everywhere. When your friends tell you that they're sick, what do you do? You, you run away from them and say, don't come near me for seven days, right? But don't just do that. Pray for them for healing. About 12 years ago, I made a commitment that anytime I hear that someone is unwell, I'm going to pray for them because that's what Jesus said to do. And then if I can, I'll pray right there and then. Some people I've prayed for got healed miraculously. Woo! But many didn't. But if I prayed for no one, no one would get healed miraculously. But if I pray for everyone, somebody will get healed. It's just statistics, okay? Um, <laughs> And at this point, many more disciples joined Jesus. Many, many more people started joining Jesus, including female disciples. Okay, if both of you are like, nah, I don't believe you, go and check it out. Luke 8, 1, 2, 3, okay? Go and check it out yourself. Jesus is showing, this is how we fish for people. We need to invite more people who don't know Jesus to come to church, to come and see, come to church come to Alpha and invite them to the Will Graham Tasmania celebration on the 27th to the 29th of May, where we're going to share Jesus with our city. Jesus also shows us how to fish for people by preaching and teaching. 
It is not enough to just pray for healing and include people and love them. We actually need to tell them about Jesus. And one of the best and most opportune way for Jesus to show you how to fish for people is tomorrow night at Gateway Baptist Church. We're having the Christian Life and Witness course round three, um, 7 p.m. Monday and Wednesday. If you haven't done the course yet, please will you do it. Let Jesus show you how to fish for people and let's do it together in community. I highly recommend that you do it in person, but if you really, really, really can't attend in person, it is also available online. It was recorded, the first session here was recorded, so you can actually watch it online. But it's not as fun, but you can still do it. It is, um, go to our social media, Door of Hope, Facebook and Instagram, and the link is there. For us, after we've been invited to come and see, we have, we've hung out with Jesus for a while, learn about him, loving him. It's not enough. It's now time to go and fish for people. Actually get involved. Let Jesus show you how to. Now that training is well underway with his disciples, out of his many disciples, Jesus appointed 12 leaders called the apostles. Now he has shown them what to do, right? Now he sends them out two by two. Why is this um, significant? Because that's how we're meant to do it, in community. For accountability, And for support, this fish for people business, it is full of discouragement. It is full of disappointment. It's the most disappointing thing you can ever do with your life and you'll come back hurt. But it's the most amazing and exciting thing that you can do, okay? Without that accountability and prayer and dusting each other off and go, okay, off you go again, we will get hurt. And I have seen so many people who have gone on on their own and some even gone onto the mission field on their own without accountability to a church or a group. And they come back, they don't even believe in Jesus anymore. So Jesus tells the 12, heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy and cast out demons. Give as freely as you have received. Hold up, raise the dead. We in the Western world probably never think about to do this. But in many parts of the world, where there is great poverty and persecution, Christians actually prayed for their dead to be raised. And there have been times when God has raised the dead as a result. Now, many of us have attended trainings and courses about how to share the gospel, how to have conversations and pray for people. My question is this, are we doing what we have been trained to do? Are we putting into practice what we have learned? Because Jesus now sends not just 12, he sent 70. And I imagine the 12 to be like the boss, you know, they're the leaders, they're mentoring the 70. Oh, during my time, which was like two months ago, I did this, you know, and, and it was cool. It was Jesus loved it. The 70 came back. They were so excited. And then after Jesus's death and resurrection, we will talk about Jesus's death and resurrection next week. Very exciting. After Jesus's death and resurrection, he sends out 500 He says to them, actually, the scripture says more than 500. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of age. Jesus sent the 500, and now Jesus sends us. And the third calling, the first was come and see, The second was follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. The third calling is go. That's intentionality. Don't just sit there and wait for people to come come to you and ask you about your faith. You go 
and make disciples. So where are you on your journey and where do you need to be? Let's take a look at this wheel just to help us remember. If you're not a follower of Jesus yet, I want to invite you to come and see. Do Alpha, starting very soon. Um, it, for those of us who have been with Jesus for a while, it, it's time. Let us follow him. Let's make some sacrifices. Let's make some commitments and let him show us how to fish for people. Do the Christian Life and Witness course tomorrow night. And for those of us who have been trained, don't just sit on your hands. Let us go. Let's just go and do it two by two. Find a partner, find a group, pray together, encourage each other and go and invite others to come and see. Invite others to come and see. And when they have come and seen, challenge them to go and fish for people. Show them how to fish for people. And then send them out to go and make more disciples. If we all did that, wouldn't it be an incredible movement? And you know what? Many of us do. It's called the church. So where are you at this morning? And what do you need to do? Let me pray. Jesus, I thank you that you don't just come into our lives and tell us to jump off into the deep end. You come, you invite us to come and see. You are patient. You spent 18 months with these disciples. You are patient. I pray for many who are listening this morning who don't really know about this relationship with you yet. I pray that they will come and see. Father, I pray for those who have been around for a while. I pray that we won't settle to just come to church and see what happens. But we will say, Jesus, yes, here I am. I'm willing to make these sacrifices. I'm willing to lay down on my nets, my fishing nets, and give that up and let you show me how to fish for people. And Lord, when we've done that, I pray that we won't just sit. We will go. We will go, yes, it's full of discouragement and disappointment and we might come back hurt, but we will go because Jesus, you've asked us to, you've commanded us to, and you said you'll be with us to the end of age. And to the many that we invite, some will come and see. And we thank you because then you will take them on an incredible journey. Holy Spirit, will you fill us? And will you prod us along in our journey? Thank you, Lord. We love you so much, Jesus. You are so awesome. Amen.